Hello everybody and welcome back to the Glory Glory My Night podcast. I'm your host as always, Kel Quinn. Joining me today is Nigel Duffy to discuss Manchester United against Aston Villa and also take a look at the current takeover situation in the second part of the podcast. So uh, United overcame an informed Villa team uh, 1-0 yesterday. Um, wasn't really much of a swashbuckling attacking display, more of a defensive masterclass and probably... Um, Lindelof and Shaw um, probably our best players despite the fact that Bruno Fernandes would probably take the headlines um, and I have to say it's probably Lindelof's best game under Ten Hag um, I think he prevented three goals um, one with a clearance off the line another with a crucial block another uh, headed intervention to stop Ollie Watkins nodding in at the back post so, and, and Luke Shaw was as solid as ever. I think Luke Shaw has played nine times this season at centre-back and United have not lost any of those games. So, Nigel, how impressed were you with Lindelof and Shaw yesterday? Well, I think it was very impressive indeed, Kyle. I thought they were very strong. And uh, Shaw, to me, is getting better in that position every game I see him. He looks very, very confident on the ball. And uh, Lindelof's an experienced professional. Uh, has said he'll have to review his own position at the end of the season. But he's, he's putting it up to the manager now. I mean, I wouldn't change that. But because of the injury crisis, I would keep that. It's it's top class and, and uh, they obviously enjoy playing with each other. It was very impressive indeed, I thought. Yeah, obviously the issue with playing Shaw at centre-back is it leaves us a bit weaker at left-back. But I suppose yesterday, Malassia had a... He's not been in great form recently. Um, he, had, he had a few nightmare performances, to be honest. But yesterday, he was more closer to the Malassia that we saw at the start of the season. Um, I think he... without I don't think he was you know, defensively absolutely solid. Um, but it certainly was an improvement on the, his most recent displays. Um, so... But I don't quite trust him enough yet uh, to put him in the starting eleven in the FA Cup final. Um, I'd need to see much more uh, of him uh, doing well before I'm convinced of that. Um, what did you think of Malassia yesterday? Well, he gets closer to a winger, for example, than most of the other fullbacks, including Shaw when he plays at left back. But he doesn't have the discipline, Kyle. He goes through people very quickly without thinking, and he gives free kicks away. I mean, we saw him in the when we were in attacking vein and they got the ball and all he had to do was keep them under pressure down there and maybe they put it out for a throw, he goes flying through and gives a free kick away. So it's all about the manager having a word with him and getting him to uh, tighten his discipline. He does contribute in that he's a trier and he never stays away from people, but you have to get the balance right and he hasn't just got there yet, I don't think. Yeah, he's obviously got a lot to learn uh, as a young player. He, he came from the Eredivisie to Old Trafford at a very, very young age, and he was never going to be absolutely perfect this season. Um, he'll obviously get at least another season to see what he can do um, because players that come from a league that's not of the same quality as the Premier League, they, they need at least a season to bet in. Um, so hopefully he can improve you know, next season. Um, we can... Uh, benefit from that. Um, even if he doesn't work out as a signing, so you can easily write it off because he didn't cost big money in in today's market. Um, I suppose it's a bit like uh, the Daniel James signing, um, even though it didn't work out 
it wasn't costly for United. In fact, United made a profit on him. So you know, there's always the possibility that uh, if Malassia doesn't do it next season, then maybe it could be moved on and United could easily make their money back, if not more. So, But hopefully it does work out for him and, and he can be an evil deputy to Luke Shaw. At, at present, though, um, if Shaw, Shaw seems absolutely certain now to play centre-back in the cup final if he's fit, because um, I don't think Martinez, even if he comes back at that point, will be match fit. Mm. At present, though, who would you select at left back in that game? I would say it would have to be Dallo. I, I, I uh, was talking to people earlier today and they couldn't understand Juan Bissaka being left out. You know, he, as you said recently on pod, he's improved so much. And I think that I saw his interview in Sky Sports He and he mentioned the influence of, of Ten Hag on him to try to get the balance right between defending, which is first class, and going forward. But he looks very good and confident on the ball now. He looks as if a manager's finally got close to him, talked to him, and and uh, he's beginning to blossom into a very, very good fullback. I didn't see that coming, Kyle, to be perfectly honest. I hold my hands up, but uh, it's great for the club because with injuries and suspensions over the last month, it's, we're down to the bare bone, and we really need players stepping up that perhaps hadn't done so in the recent past. Well, I suppose the good news is that um Saka got a good rest yesterday and the team won without him. But obviously, yes, he would be first choice for me, especially in an important game like an FA Cup final. Um, opposition players have been hugely complimentary towards Wan-Bissaka. Um, James Madison, um, Matoma and uh, Wilfred Zaha, they've all said they don't enjoy playing against him. Um, uh, I mean, Matoma said something like it was a complete defeat when he was speaking to the Japanese media about his performance in the FA Cup semi-final. Um, so when you have a fullback who attacking wingers do not want to play against, you know, you do not want to, to move that guy on. You want to keep him at the club. Um, if Tin Hag wants to sign a more offensive fullback, then um, that's fine. But um, uh, if he's going to move somebody on, it should be Dallo um, and because Juan Bissaka is an asset that most clubs don't have these days. Someone who's such a, a brilliant one-on-one defender who, who's, a, who's a nightmare for wingers. So definitely he's someone that I would consider you know, keeping on beyond this season. Um, even though the media reports are saying that um, long-term it's Dallow that the manager wants to keep, that, that wouldn't make any sense to me. But like I said in previous pod, there's an argument for keeping keeping both of them because Dallow can operate as a as a left back if Shaw's playing centre back. Um so it'll be one for the manager to decide in the summer. So just coming back to the game yesterday, um Casemiro was hugely improved on recent performances. Recent performances he looked off it. Um uh, he looked like he was he, he wasn't match fit. Um he was pulling out of challenges. Um maybe that's a PTSD from being sent off uh, a couple of times. Um, but yesterday, um, he was timing challenges perfectly. Um, his passing was very accurate. Um, his, and obviously, he hit the bar. Yeah, Sancho provided that opportunity for him down the left-hand side. And Casemiro's rasping effort at the crossbar. And was unlucky not to score there. So, big improvement in Casemiro, wasn't it, Nigel? Oh, I, I, I have a lot of time for the player because he's so good defensively. And he's surprisingly good with his uh, early ball, both left side and right side. Uh, he did look off the pace, as you say. I wonder, is that a concern about... He's, he's obviously... He hasn't been sent off in his previous 
clubs and now in England, the referees can be very, very picky about who they choose to book quickly and then he's under pressure. So he, he was taking it easy and going back gently. Maybe the manager had had a word with him and that was the early thing, but he's an instinctive player. And yesterday he was back to his instinctive best, I thought, both defensively and attacking. The the shot that hit, the, he, he was very unlucky. It was a lovely shot. I'm sure he feels very aggrieved uh, looking at decisions in other games because apparently he does watch a lot of football. Um, and if he's seen Jack Grealish grabbing Thomas Partey by the collar and no action taken against him, we've seen yesterday in the Tottenham Liverpool game um, a challenge by Jata on Skip and Skip's uh, challenge on Luis Diaz, not punished by red cards. If, if any of those challenges were committed by Casemiro, he'd have seen red. Um, I'm not trying to say there's some kind of agenda against Manchester United, um, but I, I do have to say that some of these referees are extremely inconsistent and it can be frustrating as a fan. Uh, I, I, everyone will vouch, uh, every fan of the 20 Premier League clubs will agree that the referees have made an absolute mess of the force system this season. I mean, the technology is only as good as the people who are operating it. Uh, and this season, there's been a lot of teething problems and inconsistencies. So we're hoping for an improvement um, as Hardweb uh, is, is taken over uh, the the PGMOL um, just recently. So hopefully he'll introduce reforms in the summer that will see improvements to decision-making going forward. Um, so Bruno Fernandes, um, another excellent display from him, um, this time playing on the right-hand side, which he's been accustomed to this season, and following up from Maguire's effort to score at the far post and going straight up to the Aston Villa fans who were giving him mm-hmm. a lot of grief um, in this game and a previous game. So I think he really enjoyed that one, didn't he? Oh, he did, absolutely. But that statistic that was produced yesterday about Bruno never missing a game for any of his, his current club, obviously us and his previous clubs. I can't think of many in my lifetime. That's a, a fabulous commitment and it shows the professional that he is, that he doesn't want to miss a minute of any. doesn't matter whether it's Europe, Europa League or whatever, Kyle. He's up for it and he obviously loves the club and the fans, the home fans adore him now. He gives 100%. Yeah, um. Now, earlier in the season, when we were talking on the podcast, we were not convinced that Bruno Fernandes should be club captain next season. Would you now uh, revise that, that that point of view? I'd certainly think about it. I'm ser- I'm not convinced uh, uh, that he has been talked to by the management or the coaching structure about his involvement. I mean, referees are prepared to listen to captains, and he, when he's the captain, he has to have some discipline. He lets his passion go beyond that on occasions. But certainly there's nobody else that I can see that comes anywhere near the level of commitment or performance consistently as he did. So he does deserve the role without a doubt. Yeah, and the way Ten Hag has been talking about him in press conferences, it seems as if um, he is as, he is the, the favourite to be captain next season when obviously that is taken away from Harry Maguire when he inevitably leaves the club. Um, yeah, so... He's he, play, he can play a variety of positions. Um, he's crucial to the team because we've seen how poor we were in Seville without him. Um, and his his commitment and his his ability, um, is second to none. Um, as his eleventh goal of the season, um, and he has he gets so many assists, and um, throughout the season creates so many opportunities. 
um, and he's playing really well at the moment. You know, in last season and you know earlier this season, he's been criticised for some of his performances, and um, but certainly he's on top of his game at the moment. Um, and he will he he we. I think uh, we're we're going to keep referencing the cup final um, in every podcast. I think because that's the most okay. important game coming up this season, mm. um, and I think Bruno uh, is going to be vitally important to us if we're going to get a result uh, in that game. Um, so the manager decided to take out Anthony from the team and uh, bring in Marshall Sabitzer and um, put Bruno out on the right. Um, Okay, we won the game, so can't have any complaints about it. Um, apparently, Bruno has had success playing against Aston Villa on the right before, and that's maybe why he did that. Um, Anthony's performance, I suppose, against Spurs um, wasn't inspiring, to, to say the least, um, even though Anthony had been in, in, in good form of late, uh, apart from that game. Um, what did you make of the manager's decision then to bring Sabitzer in for Anthony? I thought it was a brave call, and, and when they won the game... It showed he did it correctly. But he did make reference to various players in previous games not been up to the full standard that he expected, that they weren't. He called a percentage, say, that they were only 90% getting into the game. Who knows whether Anthony is one in the manager's judgment at that. But Anthony's a young player. He's only 22, Kyle. Doesn't do any harm if he's not playing well. We can look at all the games we're playing. Doesn't do him a bit of harm to be taken out and told, listen, I'm giving somebody else a chance. I'm... I'm uh, moving the midfield about him and this is an uh, attacking thing I want to try in case we have more injuries and I want the option but uh, not do Anthony one bit of harm at all I think I, and we won the game and that's proof proof in the pudding of his decision I think Yeah absolutely um, good to see uh, Sabitzer get a start um, he hadn't been getting many of those recently um, what's your feelings on Sabitzer then do you think United will, or Ten Hag, do you think he will pursue maybe another midfielder this summer? Um, or will he keep on uh, Sabitzer permanently? Um, obviously, he could do both. Uh, he could sign a, another midfielder and keep Sabitzer. What's your feelings on, on the player? Would you like to see him at Old Trafford next season? Yeah, I like the player and he's not afraid to shoot. He seems to have a good left foot. Um whether he stays now, he's, he, what, he's 29, almost 30, Kyle, I don't know why. I have a notion that the manager has already ideas in his head about who he's pointing the club in the direction of. So it, it, it's very possible that Zapitro won't be. It's, it's the manager's call. I'm sure he'll talk to the coaching. But he certainly, the player himself, wants to stay and wants a contract uh, at, at Old Trafford. So we'll watch that one closely. But I'd say it's 50-50 at this stage. Yeah, and I think uh, Thomas Tuchel might have a lot to do with this as well. He, if he, if he's a fan of the player, he might want to keep him. Um, and Ryan Gravenberch, the Dutch midfielder at Bayern, who hasn't also hasn't been getting many minutes this season, might come in to play because he's worked with Ten Hag before, and Ten Hag likes to sign players that he's worked with. So, wouldn't be surprised if Sabitzer goes back to Bayern and then Gravenberch comes to Old Trafford. You know, anything's possible. Yeah. Um, let's get on to the much maligned. Jaden Sancho. Um, now, yesterday, um, he he created that chance uh, for Casemiro, as I said before. Um, he actually had a left foot across and went across the six-yard box and there was no one there to tap it in. But one criticism I still have of him at the moment is that in the, in the second half, he, he's running at he's running at the right back or the right-sided uh, centre defender. I can't remember which one it was. 
he was taking too many touches, taking too long to make a decision. He's going inside and outside. And, and before he, by the time he makes a decision of what he's going to do, more defend, defenders have converged around him and he, then he's having to pass it back to Malassia. So his decision-making just isn't quite as quick as what Rashford's is at the moment, and it can be frustrating. The signs, there is slight signs of improvement. Um, obviously, he scored a brilliant goal in the week, um, but his all-round play is improving slightly, but not quite as rapidly as we'd hope. Um, it's just some fans are, are are willing to give him more time, and other fans are getting a bit exasperated now. Um, what's your feelings on, on Sancho at the moment? Well, I, I'm one of the ones that's very frustrated how he slows down our moves. I think it's a confidence issue. Certainly the player that he was at Dortmund hasn't reflected in his performance at Old Trafford. He's, he's had another season now. He's had illness and, and other issues and uh, come back and we all hoped that it would improve. Now, he has his moments. Nobody denies that. But when you sign a player for £73 million who's supposed to be a potential superstar who will have a dynamic effect in the Premier League, hasn't happened for the player. I can't see it happening for the player at Old Trafford. And if someone came in in the close season and offered very good money for him, I would be one of those that would prepare to let him go on somewhere else. Yeah, um, we, we've heard reports that uh, Ten Hag is losing a bit of patience uh, with Santo. He's obviously had to play him quite a lot recently because of a, a lack of options with, with injuries, you know, especially with uh, Rashford was out for a few games and Garnacho hasn't been available for a while. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the manager decides on that in the summer. Um, he might get another year um, or if, it'd be really, really ruthless So if the manager decided to to to, to let him go. I suppose if the offer is big enough um, for, an, for any of the players who are not among the, shall we say, the Brunos or Rashfords or the Luke Shaws or Casemiro's, any of the players kind of Outside of you know the the most crucial players in the squad, like um, if a big enough offer is made for them, you know any of the players who are not regulars in the starting eleven, uh, McTominay, Maguire, Martial, even Sancho, any players, um, if there's big enough offers made for those players, then they could be moved on. Even if the even if it's a player that the manager wants to have around as a squad player, but if the money's too good to turn down. Then they'll be moved on, but obviously, like I say, there's certain players like Rashford and Bruno and Casemiro, yeah. Shaw and Martinez. They'll never be, they'll never be moved on. Um, uh, well, uh, uh, unless they're, you know, ten years from now when they're when they're too old or something, but not not in the immediate future. Um, so yeah, Rashford play uh, had strange strange game yesterday because. You have to be, um, you have to give him praise for his, his directness and creating chances. Um, was involved in the goal, obviously, but uh, in front of goal yesterday, it was a wee bit disappointing. Um, I think the the offside flag um, saved him on, on one occasion, um, but there's another one where he tried to put it through um, the goalkeeper's legs and the goalkeeper saved it. Um, yeah, but he's got 29 goals. We can't really complain, and he's no. probably he's probably likely to get over the 30 and mark this season, and that'll be the first player since Van Persie uh, to do that, um, which is now 10 years ago. So, yeah, um, probably not Rashford's best game of the season in front of goal, but we're, not, we're certainly not going to be complaining about him. Um, the, th- the thing is, Rashford's probably 
best on the left. Um, what we really want next season is Rashford on that left-hand side uh, and, a centre f- and, a, and a newly signed centre-forward playing up front um, in the number nine position. Because obviously that's been the major issue this season. He's had to fill in at number nine because there's simply no one else. I mean, Marcial in, in some of the recent games is offering absolutely nothing. Um, he's not even running. So the manager had no choice only to take Marcial out and play Rashford up top. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, without a doubt. And it's worked. And his all-round game, Ten Hag said in a press conference the other day that he spent a lot of time. He he finally got the message that Martial wasn't going to play much. And he talked about Sancho's not going to play much. So I had to deal with the, the forward issue. So I, I have worked uh, a lot with Rashford uh, in separate training sessions where he, he... And you can see it, Kai, we've talked about it, where he, where he now shoots goes past people on the left, crosses with his left foot and looks much, much, much better than previous seasons. And he uh, was such he was playing at the, the top of his game with all the goals you've talked about. He was bound to have a period where they all weren't going to go in because remember five, six, seven games in a row, he scored in a row, never missed. But that's at Premier League level. Uh, it doesn't happen that everybody scores with every chance. And he does all sorts of things within the game, bringing people into the game that... Uh, his all-round game is really superb. He's had a great season. Yeah, and what what the great players do is they do this in every season. So next season, I want to see him get 25 to 30 goals on the season after that. And then he can be considered a, a great player then if he does that. Because that's what the likes of Mbappe would do. It's a player that he's, he's often been touted as the poor man's Mbappe. If he wants to be... <laughs> In that league, he needs to be doing it season in and season out. Um, but this season, he's had to move around quite a lot. Um, he's played across the front he has, yeah. um, throughout the season. He needs to have just play on the left next season. And if we recruit you know, uh, appropriately, then that, that, that will happen. He needs to have his own position rather than constantly being moved around to, to accommodate other people. Um, yeah, so just going to go on to the player ratings now before I move on uh, to the ownership situation. Um, so I'll ask you for your ratings then, Nigel. Um, what about the goalkeeper? Well, I'd, get, I'd give him a six. I'd give him a six. Not as busy as they really, no. I don't think. Um, and, and that's testament to the defence. Um, Diogo Dallo? I'd give him a six as well. He, he, he's he, not really any better than that. He's doing what he has to do, but I didn't see any forceful runs that uh, uh, attracted me particularly, you know. Um, Victor Lindelof? I give him an eight. What a what a what a good game that was. Looked more confident. The blockage that you referred to earlier on in the pod was absolutely. Uh, he's reading the game really well at the moment. Enjoying, as I said, playing with Shaw. So uh, let's build on that. Uh, with quite a few games to go before the cup final, and we still need results to get uh, cemented in the top four. So uh, uh, well played, victories. You've waited an opportunity, and you're taking your chance. Uh, Luke Shaw. Oh, I'd give him 9.5, one of the best games I've seen. He's, he came across uh, totally confident on the ball. His distribution was expert, uh, uh, expert and he, he really he reads the game. He won five, six headers in this new role that I didn't see him when he was playing at, at left back. He, he really seems to... Uh, I think Varane has had a chat with him, as he said he would, and if you can't learn from a world-class player like Varane, you learn from nobody, but Shaw in his new role has learned very quickly and it's a real asset for the manager to be able to move him inside to see him play as well as he is doing. 
I, I, I seen a, a clip uh, online from one of the fans in the stadium, and it's something that we didn't really see on TV. Um, there was an Aston Villa player. He's walking past Luke Shaw, uh, and he kicked him uh, in the leg, and then Luke Shaw shoved him, and the guy nearly fell over. Um, so, no, I didn't see that. <laughs> so, he's, what I've noticed about him playing this role is how how strong he is. And yeah. he doesn't get muscled off the ball by anyone, and, and like I referred to there, he doesn't get pushed around by anyone either. Um, so he's taken to this role, just like you you think he'd be playing this role his whole life. Um, I have to admit, I didn't see it coming. It was very innovative of mm. Ten Hag to, to play him there because I think Ten Hag he wants to have a left footed centre back, um, and 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 like I say, like Luke Shaw is unbeaten, you know, playing in this role, um, so. It seems absolutely certain at the moment that he, he will start in that position in the cup final. Um, one thing I don't want to see is Maguire playing in any of the, of the remaining games because absolutely it would be not. it would be such a drop off from uh, Lindelof and Shaw if he came in. Um, he would he was just a he had another nightmare in Seville, um, and it's no surprise that he hasn't started a game since. Um, his role now seems to be to come on to play as part of a back five to see out games. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like he, he is such a joke figure now that Aston Villa fans were cheering his arrival on the pitch yesterday. Um, it's it's becoming embarrassing, and for for the sake of both club. And player, uh, he needs to be moved on in the summer. But it'll be interesting to see who actually makes a bid for him. Um, I wonder will will clubs like further down the table, um, the West Ham as a club that's been linked, maybe a return to Leicester. Um, we, we'll take whatever clubs are willing to offer. It's going to be nowhere near the eighty million mark, obviously. Um, but if, if we if we got something between twenty and thirty for him, then um, that that's a good deal in my opinion. So, uh, Trail Malassi, um, what would you give him? Uh, I'd give him a six as well, same as Dallow, yeah. Uh, Casemiro? I'd give him an eight now. He really was much better than the three previous games since his return. Uh, he looked to find his, his level again and uh, was dictating things. And uh, what a joy it is to see him. He sees passes that some people don't see. And it's it's uh, very clever the way he delivers it very quickly. He doesn't think about it. seems to see people move and he finds them. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful asset, that. And uh, Marshall Sabitzer? Oh, I'd give him a seven, yeah. I thought he, he battled well and did what he had to do and was followed, obviously following manager's instructions and he did it very well, I thought, yeah. And uh, Christian Eriksen? Oh, another seven. What a tidy footballer that guy is. Left side, right side. He sees uh, people move before the ball even arrives with him. Uh, memories of Paul Scholes in that, the way he can knock it long or short. Very, very capable player, and, and great to see him back after his injury problems. Yeah, you see him before he even receives the ball. He's looking over his shoulder to see where Rashford is, so he's already thinking about his next pass before the ball even arrives at his feet. Um, yeah. He's just one of those players that's a step ahead of everyone else, like, like schools. Um, his first touch is absolutely immense as well. Um, he just kills it like Berbatov, doesn't he? He does. Lovely to watch. When you consider in recent years the McFred partnership and now when you look at the quality in there and even with Sapitzer waiting to get in there, we've stepped up a level and the manager is uh, letting them play and play forward attacking uh, inspirational football, which is what we've been uh, devoid of since Ferguson left, really. 
Um, Bruno Fernandes? 8.5. The captain did a great job. And uh, his relationship with the fans, how hungry he is. And as you've said, the manager absolutely thinks that he's the guy that shows leadership by example, week in and week out. Must do it in training as well, but uh, definitely, yeah, 8.5, he deserves it, yeah. Yeah, the manager has questioned the desire of some of the players without naming them, um, but he's always praising Bruno and saying that he's an inspiration to the rest of the players because, for example, last week when he was, I mean, he was on crutches and yet he didn't, he still didn't miss a game. and He still hasn't missed a game through injury at Manchester United and the manager was saying that uh, other players should be like him. And obviously, manager also said recently that some players were only giving 90, 90% against Tottenham. He would never mm-hmm. say that about Bruno. Um, yeah. So uh, it's an incredible record uh, he has uh, with not missing any games through injury. Um, the only illness on suspension. Um, so Jaden Sancho? I'd give him a six. He, he, he really didn't have a great influence on the game. He, he has one or two good good moves when he's close one twos he seems to do that very well but i expect a lot more from a guy who 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 was supposed to play out on the wing and beat players and create chances so he's a different player than what i anticipated when he was signed and it just hasn't worked for me i'm sure uh other fans have different opinions but that's my view so i'd say a six yeah and uh, marcus rashford i'd give him an eight yeah um and the substitutes um well, you can't really rate Maguire and Martial because they came on in the 86th minute. Um, Anthony came on very late and so did Fred after 76 minutes. So didn't nah, you couldn't really judge them on, on, on that, man, that amount of minutes. So what about Tin Hag? Um, what would you give him? I'd give him a seven. He, it, it was a very difficult fixture. We all knew how well Villa were playing. The Villa manager has done exceptionally well with the squad in a short period of time. But he, he got a professional performance out of his players. So, uh, yeah, he deserves a seven, I would have thought. OK, um, we'll move on now to the current ownership situation. And uh, I have to appreciate that it's very complex. Um, all the the mathematics involved can be very difficult to understand at times. Um, what we do know is that um, the Sheikh Jazim and, and the Guattaris are bidding for c- complete control of the club, whereas um, Radcliffe, who, who obviously, Sir Jim Radcliffe, who doesn't have the kind of financial backing that they have, is trying to compromise in order to get hold of the club. Um, now what he's supposedly offering is uh, he's making an offer to the Glazers for a 51% stake. Um, now, we know that Joel and Avram, they're only two of six siblings. Four siblings want to cash in, whereas Joel and Avram want to stay. That's That's been the case forever. Um, so what Jim Radcliffe is proposing, and this means that he has to spend less on acquiring the club, he'll buy 51%. Um, the the two remaining siblings will have a 20% stake and then the there's a there's a stake that remains on the, the New York Stock Exchange that is um in around 30%. Um so it gives the opportunity for two of them to stay um as minority shareholders. Um obviously uh, they're not going to have you know voting rights if um if if 
there's no way that Jim Radcliffe is going to buy the club and allow them to have voting rights. Um, I would I would guess that his long term plan is to eventually buy them out as well. Um, and if he has to spend, if he's only get, buying fifty one percent, it means he will have more to spend on the stadium, the training ground, and transfer funds uh, in the immediate term. Um, and gradually, he he probably want to you know in the next five years to buy them out as well and have you know complete control uh, of the club. Um, now, so it'd be interesting to see what the decision is among the Glazer family. Um, there's a massive, massive protest yesterday again. The fans marching from the city centre to Old Trafford. Uh, I think it's the, in terms of numbers, it seemed to be the biggest protest yet. And um, they're clear that they want a full seal. And, you know, even though uh, and if Radcliffe takes over, the Glazers will only have like an eighteen percent stake or something, but on no voting rights. But just the the idea, it's it's emotional, isn't it? The idea of them still being there and making money from the club really, really irrit, irrit, irritates the supporters. Um, but this is a compromise that Radcliffe is making in order to, to get his hands on the club. Um, the thing is though, if Julian Avram, uh. They they they'll probably be happy with this, but um I can't imagine their siblings will be because if they accept Radcliffe's offer and not the Sheikh Tazim offer, the other four siblings will get less money, um in their pockets. You know, they'll be so again. I think the row within the family is going to continue, um and of course the kids could decide not to sell at all and stay on. But I don't know how they can do that because surely they've, they haven't got a. They can't possibly borrow any more money to invest in the football team, and the stadium on the chain ground needs massive investment, and they don't have the the money to do that. Um, yeah. I, well, Kyle, Kyle the country is what? What about the current time scale? I mean, what? What? When is a decision between either? Is it just these two bids, or or can there be late bidders, or is the as the deadline passed that we're only talking about one or the other here? And when is the decision to be finalised? By do we know that? Uh, well, the deadline um, was last Friday, I think, uh, at 10 o'clock, um, and the bids came in just before that um, from the two main bidders. Now, there has been other people who have been bidding for a minority share, like Elliott Management, who've had involvement with SE Milan before, and other American investors. Um, basically, they're, what they're proposing is we'll buy a minority stake um, and in exchange for that, we'll release funds for investment um, the stadium, the infrastructure, uh, and the team uh, in the short term. Um, but Glazers probably like that option, but that's going to infuriate the fans even more. I think like the fans are not happy with the idea of Radcliffe having 51% and two Glazers having 20%. Yeah. Um, but if it was the Glazers um, holding on to... Um, their majority stake, and then these bloodsuckers coming in from the financial world in, in, in America to buy a stake, um, and 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 their their only objective will be to make profit, and um, that's going to infuriate the supporters even more. That would be the worst case scenario, I think. Um, basically, you would have two different parasites owned in the football club. Absolutely, um, that's a crucial thing. Yeah, yeah. And the fans have put up with eighteen years of Glazer. I I I am of the view that we don't want we would prefer the full buyout if that is possible. But they remember the Glazers are money people, and uh, they've not been transparent throughout about what their really clear objectives are for the club. It's all about making money for them. So uh, really, do we want any any sort of link with them at all? I would avoid that at all costs. 
Yeah, because if they were still there as even with just a small eighteen percent stake, they could still be taking dividends out every year. Um, so that would really infuriate the fans. Even just having, even just knowing that they're still there making money from the club, yeah. will really, really piss off the supporters. Um, but that's a reason why Radcliffe is doing this is because um, he knows he can't go as high as what the Qatari Islamic Bank is, is, can offer. Um, now the latest today is that Qatar is willing to put in a fourth bid. Um, I think. I think what I think I think the Glazers are playing games here. Um, they either want um, to remain as minority shareholders, which Blackcliff is offering them, um, and they know by by proposing that idea that the Qataris will keep up in their bid, um, yeah. and then they'll get to the magic number that they want, is six or seven billion. Yeah. Um, so it'll all come down to how much um, Sheikh Jassim really wants to get his hands on the club because. Larkiff is now offering um, uh, a really uh, enticing offer for the, the two the two Glazer siblings who've been running the club for the last 18 years. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I, I think we're due to get a decision one way or the other this week or next week. There's no exact time frame on that. Um, and this is the third round of bidding. Um, yeah. And it was just, which is apparently unprecedented, and they've been offered the most amount of money for a, a sports franchise. Yeah. I think it was the Denver Broncos went for the most money last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're getting a, an unprecedented level of money on the table has been offered to them, and yet they're still not accepting it. Um, it just shows how greedy these people are, doesn't it? Oh, it does, yeah. But w- wouldn't it be ideal with four weeks plus? to the FA Cup final and what a final that'll be with the two Manchester teams if they could get a result on the eve of that to have a decision so that the manager knows before his final game of the season what, what's going to happen with the summer in relation to finance for, for players etc because this could drag on and drag on and drag on and we've been through it before and it really disrupts everything because I have no doubt Ten Hag being the man he is that he's already intimated to the board who he would like to sign and what sort of money he would like. And he, he will have to offload all these players. The last few weeks, some of the performances by what we could say, the people who are in, in the reserves at the club at the moment, who are filling in for better players who are injured or suspended, they haven't turned in. Kyle haven't been up to the requirements that we need to make a, a, a challenge on City next season and beyond. So, all this uncertainty about the buyout needs to be defined and clarified as early as possible. And if it could be done in the eve of the cup final, what a boost that would be for the fan base. Yeah, that's an important point. Um, the drop-off is enormous um, whenever we bring in the friends players. Even when he makes substitutions, um, it, it impacts heavily on our performance. We've seen it against Tottenham away and we've seen it against Sevilla at home. He brings on three or four players and then we just go to pieces. Um, we're just not the same team anymore. So... I think that also we've been told by journalists close to the club is that not only does Ten Hag want to sign first teamers in key areas, he wants to strengthen the squad as well, which is obviously very important. Um, but the, uh, the the issue is at the moment we don't know who's signing the checks, you know, yeah. and, that, and that's really holding up our, our, our transfer plans uh, for the summer. Um, but this is just more misman- mismanagement by the Glazers, and it's just been typical of the last eighteen years. They just don't they don't. 
they just don't care about the the club. I mean, the fact that they've just let the stadium rot just tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Um, you had uh, Ronaldo complaining that there was a broken tile in the in the swimming pool at Carrington in 2009. And when he came oh. back in 2021, it was still the same. You know, that just is absolutely awful. It's absolutely awful. And the fact that the, the Theatre of Dreams hasn't been selected as one of the venues for 2028, mm. that shows you that. To a club like ours, a huge club, uh, is a real insult. And, and it's a pointer that something needs to be done and addressed very quickly. Yeah, that's an embarrassment. Um, it's the, the UK and Ireland is bidden to host the Euro 28. Um, and the stadium in Manchester that's been selected is Manchester City Stadium, um, which they are due to expand again. I don't know why, because they can't fill it as it is, only when they're <laughs> playing United. Um, but it, it's embarrassing that even a, a stadium in Belfast that's not even been built yet is on the list. I know Trafford is not. You know, it's, uh, But that's that just um, tells you everything you need to know, that the stadium is no longer state-of-the-art. You know, when the Glazers bought the club, the training, training ground at Carrington and the stadium were the best in the UK, and now they're they're nowhere. They're not even in the top ten anymore. Absolutely. I mean, when when the cliff cliff finally ran out of room as the primary training ground for the the, the Busby Bates, etc., and Carrington came along, and as you say, was an, an elitist training facility. Now it's well, well behind maybe four, five, six teams in the Premier League. So something yeah. has to be done. So, uh, our facilities are well behind Tottenham's um, because they've obviously upgraded their stadium and training ground very, very recently and their stadium is probably one of the best in Europe now. Um, and even Leicester, um, I understand, have a better training ground than us. But we paid for it, so it's no surprise, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, Maguire played it. Today, there was um, the media reporting that John Percy, he works for the Telegraph, he's the Midlands correspondent, says that Tottenham, Newcastle and United are all looking at the possibility of sending James Madison in the summer. Another injury-prone English player? I don't think so. Um, I don't, and the fact that it's Leicester, um, I don't want to see our pants get pulled out again, down again. Um, I do like the player. Um, I think he's really good on his day, um, but he can be inconsistent and, he, uh, like I say, he's injury-prone. So... And I don't think a number 10 is really a priority at the moment. I think it's more central midfields, you know, up front and obviously at the back. Um, so I wouldn't really go for that one unless it's a really, really cheap deal. But Yeah, um, no, I, I think the money they'll be looking at wouldn't be worth it. As you say, we, we, we have a lot of, have had a lot of players with injury histories. We don't want any more like that coming to the club. We need people ready to start in August and get into the Premier League uh, with a good start for the first month of fixtures. Yeah, we need more Brunos, you know, players who never miss games, you know, through injury. Um, they might be hard to come by, but we need players who who, who have, you know, next to perfect uh, injury records. Um, Madison is certainly not one of those. And I just I just feel aggrieved over the whole Harry Maguire transfer. I do not want to give Leicester City any more money, to be honest with you. That, that's, <laughs> no. that's one of the reasons. We're agreed on that. Mm. Yeah, and he's only one year left on his deal, and they're, they're looking somewhere between 45 and 60 million. I don't think so. No, no chance. chance. No chance, no. Um, there's, 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 there's free transfers out there um, that, are, that are available, and they would be much better. Uh, like 
for example, the Martin Skriniar, the Slovakian centre back at Milan, would be he's 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 on a free. He's been linked with PSG, but that's not done yet. So if we could, you know, move on Maguire and bring him in and free transfer, that'd be an amazing piece of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's 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 midfielders and strikers out there like uh, Chiran and Musen Gladbach. I mean, if you, I think we need to sign two strikers. Obviously, we're going to spend a lot of money probably on a. On a big name striker, but arguably we need two. We need a backup one as well. Um, so uh, someone on a free transfer, like uh, the Trent French international Chiran, who scored yeah. in the World Cup semi final, that would be a really good option as a backup. Obviously not as the the star signing, but as a backup. Um, well, you but, see um, the way the Ten Hag signings to date have had a, a a connection with him directly through clubs in Holland or wherever, or they've moved to Germany or France, and he's had them playing for him or playing in the in the Dutch league it would be interesting because we have had a good season and make no make no bones about it we've had a good season with winning a trophy top four almost there and in the FA Cup final to see players in Europe want to come to Old Trafford again who are not Dutch if you get the point that I'm making on the basis of the performance that they're seeing on their television screens across Europe that they want to come to. They see United under this management looking like a team that can challenge for the top of the Premier League and the Champions League. So I would like to see players that uh, basically don't have a direct contact with the manager, that they want to come and talk to the club about arriving here because they're outstanding stars in Europe that want to try their luck in the Premier League. Just a bit of diversity in the transfer market. That's the point I'm making. Yeah, uh, we want this, we want players to view United as an attractive option. Uh, absolutely. Um, and if United are finishing in the top three uh, in the Premier League, um, and we've had we've we've had a season where we've won one or two trophies, then players are going to look at United as, as someone who can win the Premier League and you know compete in the Champions League because uh, Ten Hag is without doubt one of the one of the best coaches in Europe and and, and pe- even people who don't know him will, will want to come and play for him and the better he does at United um, but yeah so but he's obviously going to prioritise not not just what, what we did under Woodward was prioritise players with ability Ten Hag is going to look at more than that he's going to look at the character of the players before he signs them and that's obviously very very important um, and he seems to like the South Americans because the because of their commitment and their desire, and and you know that's not a that's not a bad idea because um, we know how passionate they are uh, about about the game and how they always give one hundred percent. You know, even the current ones, you know, Casemiro and Anthony and Licha, and then we go back to even Carlos Tevez. You know, the commitment that he showed while he was at the club. Um, Brilliant, second, yeah, you know, absolutely, yeah. That's a good point, well made. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And those particular players. Look how well they've related to the fans already, and in their, in their, most of them in their first season at the club. They can, the fans love commitment, but those guys, Lisa and Casemiro, have class and, and, and show it at World Cup level and at Champions League level. And that's the type of player that we want already at the club. And maybe with uh, people coming through that have come speak the same language and have the same ambition to win, because those two guys are two winners. And and that's a point well made, yeah. What do you? Th- I'm just thinking there about free transfers again. Um, what do you think about? Uh, and hear me out. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, he's going to be available for free. Um, 
would you take him as a, an option in the front line? I'm not saying he'd come in and be a regular, but when we have injuries like we've had in, in, in recent weeks, he could come in and do a job for us. Um, he could deputise for Rashford when he's not available. Um, now he would be available for free this summer. Would you, would you look at that one? Well, he's an established Premier League player at one particular club. He came to Old Trafford uh, once, just before Ferguson left, and it didn't work out. But the media have covered quite a lot of his history and his unhappiness at Old Trafford, how he didn't like Manchester. He's a London guy, couldn't settle in Manchester, felt alone, and didn't feel part of the squad. So, no, and at this stage of his career, I wouldn't bring him back, no. I know he, under David Moyes, he was given four games. You know, it, 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 and that was it. It uh, wasn't really much of a chance. The problem was he was signed by the retiring Alex Ferguson, his last ever signing for the club, and he just thought that this is one of the top talents in England, and my successor is likely, you know, to develop him uh, into a top player. But him, him and Moyes never really hit it off. Um, and then when Van Gaal came in, he told all the players famously that. Uh, they didn't have to come in for training the next morning if they didn't want to. And he was the only one who didn't come in. <laughs> uh, well, I can imagine Martial coming up with that excuse. All right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he was at the club just no. just at that point, but uh, no. he uh, he probably it wouldn't have come in that morning either. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> or the following morning or a week later. <laughs> Uh, Marcella on his his gloves and his short sleeves in in May, you know. Oh dear, 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 dear. Uh, Okay, um, we'll leave it there. Um, if everyone could please like the video, um, subscribe to the podcast, and and drop your comments in below. Um, and hopefully I'll be back after the Brighton game. Uh, that's going to be a really tough game, isn't it? Away from home against them, isn't it? They'll be gone yeah. for revenge. Quality team just just scored six at the weekend. Uh, have uh, very classy players all over the place. Good scouting system at that club. Uh, yeah, it'll be a very, very tough game. But we would like revenge having lost them earlier in the season, of course. And 4 0 last season. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, uh, any anything other than a defeat is probably a good result in that game. Um, yeah. we, we need about three wins now, I think, to, to guarantee our spot in the top four. Um, and a win here would be brilliant. Um, if we can get at least four points from these two away games against West Ham and Brighton, uh, that would be decent. And that will uh, solidify our position in the top four. So hopefully we can get it done. Okay, Nigel, until next time, I'll see you later. Okay, thanks, guys. See you.